Have you ever been tempted to do something because your friends were doing it? I want you to think about that a little bit while I bring up a movie reference. Um, Please uh, don't judge me for this movie reference. Um, I'm married to a gal who loves rom-coms. But I wanted to bring up the movie 27 Dresses. Um, (laughs) Some of you have already clocked out, I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. Uh, The premise that I wanted to tell you about is that this is a gal who was in 27 weddings and because of it had 27 dresses and displayed what a friend does. A friend does not tell on their day what to do. A friend just kind of goes along. And what that meant for her is that sometimes she went along wearing a very poofy old-fashioned dress, sometimes a suit, sometimes a hat, um, you know, and, and that's just what a friend does, as displayed in 27 dresses. I'm not sure I recommend it for today, but anyway. Well, hopefully I've given you some time to think about when you've been influenced. I want to tell you a little about my life. I remember when I was in high school, there was one drink of choice. Whenever we got together for a sleepover for a good three years, there was only one option, and that option was Mountain Dew. Yes. We even called it Nectar. We had a title for it, Nectar, you know, like, anyway. Um, I remember being in college and uh, being influenced by music. There was a guy named Drew, and he loved electronic dance music. And that was a long time ago, um, even before things were more popular than they were. But because I was around Drew and he made these mixed CDs, they weren't tapes, but CDs, and he'd give me one, I got into electronic dance music because of Drew. Well, now I'm a little bit older, but do you think I'm still influenced? Absolutely. I find myself using the word noodle when coming to think about something, because some guy that I really, really like uses the word noodle. I find I'm influenced by uh, friends, Uh, some of you might know Laura and Pastor Jeff, my new friend, and I want to tell you recently, um, they were both biking to church, and uh, they they didn't give this peer pressure that I should do it, but I I definitely felt like I should do it, because they were doing it. The, The only problem is, my house is 13 miles away, so when I choose to bike to church, does anyone want to guess how long it takes me to get here? Hour and a half, friends. Hour and a half of my life, not getting it back. (laughs) I get here and I need a change of clothes. I go back and my wife wonders if I've been horseback riding all day because I'm walking weird. And and this isn't even my problem. I I just blame my new friends. Laura, thank you. Pastor Jeff, thank you. I'm picking up on the influence. (laughs) I'm not sure I'm doing it again, though. (laughs) All right, so what's my point? Something that you already know, even if you've been around, uh, you know that who you hang out with has a huge impact on who you are. In fact, from this stage, we've shared before the words of Jim Ron, who said this. He said, you're the average of five people you spend the most time with. And, and that's something to really think about. That, that, that's going to affect your thoughts. It's going to affect your vocabulary and what you do. It's because of this that parents are really persnickety at who their kids are hanging out with and who they choose to date and maybe marry. It's why they're concerned about what college they're going to, right? Because they know this principle. But the question is, do you have only good influences in your life? Or are there some bad ones too? And if perchance there are some bad ones, well, what do you do with that? Is it okay if we talk about that in our time together? So, 
so excited, especially if you're new to this place, wanted to welcome you. Um, we get to share the very best influence, who is our Savior Jesus. And we want you to know he knew how to love everyone. He gave his life for the good, the bad, um, because that's what love does. And as following in his footsteps, we love regardless. See, we're going to love all people, but we do need wisdom on how to handle different people, right? And we do need wisdom so that we're not the bad influence, right? And so we're going to get into the Word of God. And uh, to set it up today, uh, we're in the book of Corinthians. And what's going on is Paul is addressing Christians in the city of Corinth, and they're under a very bad influence. Whoever it was gave off this idea not to bike to church, not to wear a dress. Their idea was this, there's nothing after this life. This life is it. There, there is no afterlife, there is no resurrection, and, and because of this, it was leading to different actions, as you might assume. Because of this, it was upsetting the whole Christian faith. This one idea, there is no afterlife, was ripping away at the whole story that Jesus had just risen from death and, and, and the Jesus thing. And so Paul writes to address this idea and this influence. And the words that we get to hear are from the great resurrection chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Probably heard it on Easter. And we're going to get into some of the implications. Paul's like, if there is no resurrection, well then, you got to consider this. And so that's what we're going to hear. And in honor of God's word, I'm going to invite you to please stand as we hear his voice over all. Um, the words from the Great Resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. So now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? We're going to talk about that just a little bit, by the way. If the dead are not raised, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Can you say this next line with me? Bad company corrupts good character. That's true. That's true. Come back to your senses as you ought. Stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God, and I say this to your shame. Powerful words we're going to pick apart just a little bit. Uh, could you say out loud, Christ is, risen? Christ is risen? Do you know the answer to that? Absolutely. Please be seated. And I know I'm stealing from Easter, but do you know our time together was always supposed to be many Easter's every time that we would live in victory? So I want to start off by asking kind of a serious question. Um, I know it's probably early to ask it, but let, let's get into it. When do you think most Christians are influenced against their faith? So I just want you to think about, noodle on, <laughs> when are most Christians influenced against their faith? Now some of you might be thinking marriage. And I actually think that's a good guess. If you read the Old Testament, God actually said, be careful not to intermarry with other people. And it's not because he didn't love them. He just knew that the other influences, and many of them were idolaters, would lead them away from the Lord. So, so some of you might be saying, well, marriage, that's, that's a strong time to be influenced. It's not marriage. This is observable. This has been studied by Barna, a very uh, big Christian research group. Does anyone have a guess in their minds, when do people get influenced against the faith? 
college. Absolutely. In fact, look at this statistic. Barna estimates that roughly 70% of high school students who enter college as professing Christians will leave with little to no faith. These students usually don't return to their faith even after graduation. As Barna projects, 80% of those reared in the church will be disengaged by the time they're 29. Can you observe that at all? Have you seen that at all? So, so then the bigger question is why? Why is this going on? Now, there are some theories. I was reading a little bit more about this issue, and one uh, article said, uh, I have a theory, and the theory is the schedule. In fact, they said it this way, most college students don't come in thinking they're going to lose their faith, but then to-do lists pile up, and it becomes a backburner issue. So, so their idea is that the schedule just changed so much that, you know, now they don't have time and go from there. That's one theory, but as adults, do things get less busy after college? <laughs> So, so I don't actually believe that theory. Do you want to know my theory? And, and I can't give you stats or anything. You want to know my theory? It's influence. It's, in my mind, absolutely influence. That if they go and, and they surround themselves with only outside voices and, and no Christian voices, if they go and they hear from a professor that the Bible just tells fairy tales, or they go to a science class and now there's some proofs against creation, and they then don't go and hear the voice of God, that influence is effective. And, and because of this, this is the first takeaway as we beware of bad influence. Beware of how quickly and how far a bad influence can go. And I was thinking of that when it comes to our lesson because Paul had just started this congregation in Corinth shared the gospel beautifully. There was a gathering, and it's this one idea that is ripping apart the whole of the gospel. This one idea that there is no resurrection, where now actually, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, Paul has to reestablish the faith. He actually has to say, no, Jesus did die, and he did rise, and he did ascend. He has to start out from square one because of this influence. Then he goes on to the implications. He says, guys, if, if this is true, if there is no resurrection, look at this. What will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised, they're all water people baptized for them. Now, I know we could get in the weeds on this issue, but I'm going to try to explain this as clearly as I can. Are you ready? Okay, so this is kind of difficult, but you'll go away being like, we are mature Christians. We talked about baptism for the dead today. So, you're welcome. Um, let's get into it. First of all, um, can we do anything for our faith after we die? No. Uh, Ezekiel says very clearly, man is destined to die once and then face judgment. After we die, there's nothing you can do. This is your time of grace, your time to get to know the Lord. Next question. Can you do anything for the faith life of someone else? Will, will it work when you get to heaven? Oh, but my mom was a believer. No. You are responsible singularly for your own faith life. Um, others might pray for you, but again, that's, that's up to you. So then what is Paul referencing? Let me put it this way. He's not referencing that we should still be baptizing for the dead. Um, let's say I was making an argument, and my argument was, I think watching football is really fun. Anyone agree with that? I think that watching football is really fun. You should go and watch some football. And then I would say, if you don't think watching football is fun, what about all those fantasy football players? 
What about you guys who had set your lineup and hoping that questionable guy is actually going to be healthy enough to play today? If, if there wasn't, you know, that going on, can't you see that, again, football is fun? Those fantasy football people. So similarly, Paul is not advocating baptizing for the dead. He's just advocating that people are already operating under the assumption that there is a resurrection. Does that make sense? That's just one theory. Regardless, he gets into more. If there is no resurrection, why do I endanger myself? And then he references fighting beasts in Ephesus, and that was an actual beast, but there was a riot in Ephesus because of the work Paul was doing. As Paul was sharing Jesus, those who made idols were really mad because they were losing money. And so they started this riot to get Paul out of there uh, so that they could sell their idols. Why would I face that if there is no resurrection, Paul says? Now for you and I, if there is no faith, if there is no resurrection, if there is no God, what would we lose? You know, Pastor Jeff talked about it a couple weeks ago, about his experience not being a Christian and what he saw. I think the biggest thing we would lose is peace. Peace knowing there is a God with us in every age. Peace knowing there is a God who loves us unconditionally. Peace knowing that God is working on our behalf even when the world feels like it's crumbling all around us. If, if there is no resurrection and no God, we would lose so much peace. But Christ is risen. <laughs> and there is a God. And today you have a right to a perfect peace regardless of your performance. Today you have the right to be called a child of God because Jesus is real. And Jesus is here. And Jesus is for you and with you and still working. We know this to be true. We believe and confess it. But are we still tempted by bad influence? Are we still tempted against the faith? In fact, I believe this temptation still comes in what Paul said. So Paul said, this was the thought at the time, let us eat and drink for we, tomorrow we die. Is that appealing to anyone? Living for instant gratification? Are we a culture that likes instant gratification? Uh, click now, get it tomorrow, right? Um, this is something that's very appealing. In fact, this was kind of immortalized in the story Pinocchio, dating myself here. Do you remember when Pinocchio was tempted to go to this place, Pleasure Island? Do you remember what happened to him after a good night of fun? He was held captive by a cruel taskmaster. The one who had invited him and, oh, this is going to be a great time, is now the one who's holding him captive. That's such an apt picture for living in the moment. That's such an apt picture for our sinful desires. Oh, I can... Spend that and not worry about, oh, I can eat that and not worry about, oh, I can do that or think that or get away with that. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. But by thinking that, we become slaves. And so you know what Jesus came to bring us? Freedom. The peace I was talking about. And so Jesus said this, the words of Paul, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and don't let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Jesus shows up and says, you have freedom past the bonds of guilt because there is forgiveness. You have freedom past the bonds of death because there is eternal life. 
You have freedom past the bonds of peer pressure and what the culture is doing because I have given you a new and a better way. And it doesn't matter what other people say about what you're doing. All that matters is that you live for me alone and hear my voice. God has set us free. Let us not return to slavery by those voices that are all around us, voices that tempt us to do other things. So, so far I've been only talking about, you know, the warnings of bad influence, and, and we see what can happen. But, but now, going forward, I want to look a little bit about um, how can we deal with them? How can we proactively counter a bad influence in our life? And with that, I wanted to tell another story. Have you heard of TPing houses? <laughs> Has this ever been done to you? Um, I was actually part of a football team who thought it was a great idea that after the season, we would TP our coach's house. And, um, and they were all prepared, and we had this night of sleepover, and, um, and, and they wanted me to, to join in the mix. Well, um, as I was there, I, I kid you not, I opened the Bible. And if you've been around me, I love the book of Proverbs, and I happen to open up to Proverbs chapter 1. And while everyone else is saying, let's go TP, let's go get him, let's go do it, these are the words I was reading, I kid you not. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. <laughs> if they say, come along with us, let's TP the coach's house. That's, not, that's what I was thinking, right? Uh, don't do it, right? Now, from that, I was so convicted in that moment that I couldn't join them. And so I lost some street cred with the buddies. Like, I, I, I didn't join in. I didn't participate um, as they went off for this tomfoolery, right? You know? um, but, but, but I was hearing the voice of God. And, and this is so important for us to continue to try to do. Um, here, here's a principle that we should try to run after. We can deal with a bad influence by living for an audience of one. For living for God's opinion overall. Yeah, my teammates were mad. Why weren't you just with us? Come on. I didn't have to answer to them, though. I had to answer to God. But the question is, how do we make sure that we're hearing God's voice at these critical moments? How do we make sure, just like I was in the Word in that moment, that that'll happen to you or to your children? Well, God has actually given us some great advice in the form of the Ten Commandments. And does anyone know the Third Commandment? Can anyone say it? Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Now, what does that mean, remember the Sabbath? I love Luther's explanation. We should fear and love God that we do not despise preaching in his word, but regard it holy and gladly hear and learn it. Uh, he's called us to, to prioritize his voice. You know, sometimes I think we look at this command and like, well, of course we need to remember the Sabbath because God needs me to worship. I mean, what's God going to do if I'm not there to sing? What, what's God going to do if I'm not there to praise him? What's God going to do if I'm not there to, to pray to him? Is this commandment because God needs us? Because we need him. Out of all the influences we're taking on, out of all we hear in the news and all that our friends say and all the world is up to, we need to hear his voice like this clarion call. No, this is where to go, and this is what to do, and I can guide you if you let me. And by simply listening to his voice, you know what might happen by the Spirit? Instead of being influenced, you might become an influencer. 
you might be the one setting the tone. I think of uh, various people who are, are doing that. Um, one of them was uh, Candace Cameron Bure. Uh, did it in a, in a way that I, I kind of remember. Um, so she's from Full House. I got a picture of her here. And she was with Dancing with the Stars. Uh, anyone watch Dancing with the Stars? And um, uh, she made kind of a splash for being more modest with her apparel. In fact, sometimes she was interviewed and said, you know, to the choreographer, uh, we got to change this part. My husband doesn't approve, and I agree with him. Uh, he, she was one who's like, I'm, I'm not going to wear that. And in fact, even told one of the guys, keep your shirt on which uh, is maybe good advice in general, but anyway. Uh, it's probably just insecurity talking. They're so ripped. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but why did she do this? Why did she do this? She was interviewed later on, and these are the words she had to say. I just have to realize I need to stay true to me and realize I'm going to stand before God one day. Nobody is going to stand there for me, so I have to do what I believe is right, and I'll be held accountable to that. That, my friends, is living for an audience of one. That's what it sounds like. That's what it does. And so as we continue, th this is what our next point is. that I believe we deal with bad influences as you lead. And you don't need to be led. A a a Candace Cameron Bray led on that show rather than absorbing the influence of the show. You know, I wonder as Paul was writing to the congregation, as he said, do not be misled, I wonder if there was a thought in his mind, guys, am I really the one who has to sort this out? Isn't there one of you that could have stood up and said, no resurrection, that's ridiculous. No afterlife, no way. I wonder if he, he, he was scratching, his, like, guys, not one of you could take a stand on this? How many times wasn't that the case in the Bible? It started in the garden. They're at the tree, and Eve and Adam are both there. What was Adam's responsibility? Hey, babe, let's get away. It's a talking snake. Right? That's what he should have done. But no, he didn't leave. What about Abraham with Sarah? Sarah, I think that's a really bad idea with Hagar. Uh-uh, not how God's going to work. What about David with Absalom? Uh, son, really, you're going to mount an army against me? Um, mm -mm. Young man. All these opportunities. And maybe, I guess, we can recognize our own failures, which is why ultimately our perfect peace is from Jesus. Can you imagine if Jesus came and only did what the crowd wanted? What would he have become? If he only listened to the crowd, for some he would have only been a miracle worker to cure every disease. To others he would have been the bread king to make sure they always had a meal, they always had enough. And still to others on Palm Sunday, he would have been the new Caesar, the new political authority who is going to restore the Jews back to prominence if that's what he did listening to the crowd. But, but he didn't listen. He led. And through the cross and resurrection became so much better than a miracle worker and a political leader. He became and is Savior of the world. Maybe there are some of you who are saying, Pastor, I like this point about leading, but man, I've been in those situations. I'm not a leader. I have a really hard time standing up. 
I have a couple thoughts on that. Number one, never look down on what the Spirit can compel you to do. It's his power anyway. <laughs> Number two, if you're sensing that is the case with you, that's all right. That's self-awareness. But, but then this next point is true. For you in particular, you need to be cautious to choose the good influence. So, so if this is your sense, I'm more influenceable, I'm more influenced, then, then it's up to you to choose, be very judgy on who your friends are, on who you choose to date and marry, on, on where you choose to work, on who you choose to hang out with. That especially is going to be important for you. But a final thought. This last May, um, some of you might remember, I had a call to Kansas City. And I'm so happy to be here. Um, what a privilege. Um, but I, I was happy to talk to an old friend. Um, and he was a classmate um, at college. Uh, I knew him in high school. We worked together. Uh, his name is Nate Silo. And overall, just great guy. Well, some of you might have heard this. The news this week is that Nate Silo contracted COVID and he died. And so he's the pastor of that church. Um, and uh, thankfully, they have another pastor um, but he has four kids and his wife, and, and that all went on. And it made me think, if there was no resurrection, like Paul is alluding to, what would this story mean? It would be only sad. Like, where would be the upside? But let me dig in even more. Because there is a resurrection. What does this story mean? It means he's finished the race. It means he has perfect peace like never before. One of the pictures that was shared is this. It means that Nate can rush into the arms of his Savior and finally be held and know a love that he only knew in part here that is now fully known. And because there is a God who lives, does he care about that family? Does he know how to provide? Is he a father to the fatherless and the God of the orphan? Absolutely. We'll pray for them today. But this story made me pause. Maybe it's making you pause too. Because most of our lives, we let the short term overwhelm anything else. We get so caught up in the plans for the day and how I'm feeling in the moment that it overwhelms the big picture. And our God has reminded us this, that we should set our mind on things above, not on earthly things. Your modus operandi is to always think, based on eternity, how does this decision feel? How, what should I do based on the fact that I do live somewhere forever? In fact, as we take our final note, I think we deal with bad influences by keeping the big picture in mind. That's what the Silo family, I'm sure, is doing. They know the grand reunion. They know Nate has finished the race. That's what you and I can do as well, hearing the voice of our God over all. Dear friends, I'd love that we would go away from this place starting being the influencers. Because we live for an audience of one. But may you know more than anything, you have a Savior God who was that perfect leader in your place and gives you the perfect peace that Nate has that we all have today. Amen.